0: Thanks be to God. Indeed, Merry Christmas, Harvest family and friends. Merry Christmas. Oh, we can do that again. Merry Christmas. All right, I know it's cold outside, just making sure you're awake, all right? Well, welcome. Yeah, this, this is your first time here. You've been here many, many times. Your family here. My name is Dan Hammer. I the privilege of being the senior pastor here, and I just want to thank you so much for spending your Christmas here, whether you are in person or online. We're so excited about all that God is doing here, and welcome to the night that changed the course of human history, amen, and provides us all hope for all of eternity. And Christmas, Christmas in so many ways, centers around family, doesn't it? So many of us right now are excited to gather with extended family, whether you're traveling or people traveling to you, um, but the reality is, is, is family doesn't always have a great connotation. Sometimes it's really hard. Sometimes there's separation. Sometimes there's, there's complication. Sometimes there's grief at the loss of family, which with the, the holidays just bring a rush in But the reality of the beautiful story of Christmas is that no matter how your nuclear earthly family is, there is an opportunity for you to be grafted into, adopted into God's forever family. Praise God. Amen. The first Christmas, did you know, centers around family. Right? It's the story of a nuclear family, Mary and Joseph, forged together supernaturally, as each chose to live, to take steps of faith through great adversity, through great fear, through countercultural obedience. It's a story of adoption. It's a story of life and hope. The first Christmas is also the story of the establishment of a broader spiritual family, made possible for all of humanity, for you and for me, as the Bible calls this family a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, who are called to live life together as a biblical community to declare and the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and into marvelous light, also known as the church. Tonight, friends, as we're going to see from our text in John chapter one, verses nine through 13, if you want to get a head start there. We're going to see that each and every one of us has a gift that God is offering us, a new identity to be adopted and to be given the rights to become a member of God's forever family. Praise God for that. Amen. We're going to see that no matter the status of your earthly family, whether it's a source of despair, delight, dismay, there is an opportunity tonight. There is a family and there is a father that loves you, that created you, that, that sent his son to die for you, that wants to live forever with you. That's the story of Christmas, God breaking through for you and for me in hopes of adopting us into his forever family. The story of Christmas is the is a gift of God for all eternity. Now, who's excited to open some gifts under the tree tomorrow, right? <laughs> awesome. Well, I got good news for you. You don't have to wait until tomorrow to receive the greatest gift you will ever get. And it is not a gift that is found under a Christmas tree, but it is a gift that Jesus purchased for you on the tree, on the cross of Calvary. Now, the thing about this gift that you are going to be offered tonight and every night is it requires a response and you are either going to receive it or you're going to reject it. There is no middle ground because if you choose not to receive it, however close you are to receiving it, you are by definition rejecting it. God is offering you a free gift, and while it's a free gift to us, it did not come free to God. It cost him his only son, Jesus, and it cost Jesus Christ, the son of God, his life. That's how loved you are. I pray that you would leave tonight, no matter whether you choose to receive this or reject the gift of God, to know how much you are loved by God. Amen? You are loved here, That's the story of Christmas. It's a story of love, of life, and of light, as we've been looking at the last several weeks in the gospel of John. I pray that tonight is a night that changes your life for all of eternity. No matter how you walked in here hurting, hope-filled, walking through hard times, walking through good times, there is a gift that God is offering you, a gift of hope here on earth, of mercy, of, of grace, and of joy, and a gift of eternal security, and being together with God for all of eternity. But it's a quest, the question tonight is not what Jesus did for you, but the question is, what say you? How do you respond to the gift that God is offering you? Because that will alter your eternity in your time here on earth. Here's a big idea for tonight. You'll see it on the screen. You'll see it in your notes. Jesus became flesh so that we can become family. Isn't that awesome? Jesus became flesh, the incarnation, God, the son, not giving up any of his divinity, but taking on humanity so that he could pay the price for your sin and mine to give us the opportunity to become family. Praise God. Tonight, we're going to challenge you throughout the course of the evening and of the next few moments that we have together to respond to this gift in four ways. There are more than four ways to respond, but I want to really challenge you to respond in one or multiple of four ways. The first is to receive the gift. Maybe it's your first time. Maybe you've never given your life to the Lord. I pray that you would do that tonight. Maybe you've been close. Maybe you've been in church all your life, but you'll come to the reality tonight that you've never truly trusted in the Lord. I pray that you would do that. Maybe this is your first time listening to a message from church or being in church. Praise God that you're here. All are welcome here. I pray that you would give your life and receive the gift that God is offering you. In addition to receiving, I pray that some would respond with resting. Life is hard right now. Resting in the gift of the gospel. Resting in the truth of the grace of the gospel tonight, this Christmas. That you would be reminded of the realities of the testimonies that we heard earlier. About how God is with us and will never forsake us. Or maybe tonight you need to reset. Reset on the gift. Maybe your life has gotten a little bit off whack and out of kilter. And Jesus might just be another thing, another item on the shelf, along with your job or your school or your family. When Jesus, in response to the gift that Jesus gives us, commands us to be the thing in our life that we orient everything else around, the spoke and the hub, the hub that everything else is a spoke off of. Would you reset your heart upon the gift of the gospel? Maybe tonight you need to choose to rejoice. I know life is hard, isn't it? But we can always rejoice. Why? Because we have Jesus, right? We're not, might, we might not be rejoicing at the reality of our circumstance, but we can always rejoice at the presence of Jesus in the middle of our circumstance. Amen? Our circumstances always change. Jesus never changes. That's the gospel. So I pray that as we see the gift of the gospel tonight, that we would respond. The gospel demands a response. We have a choice to make tonight, a decision to make tonight. I pray that you would respond that way. Would you pr- would you? Re- Pray with me. Father, we're so thankful for the beautiful and free gift of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the beautiful texts that we're going to read in a minute. God, we thank you for how you have worked, how you, how heaven came near, how you left a place you didn't have to leave to come to people that would despise and reject you, that didn't want you, but you came anyway because you wanted us even when we didn't want you. Praise God. That you love us, that you lavish your grace upon us, that you demonstrate your mercy to us, and you pursue us, God. You, we are faithful to us when we are faithless to you. Praise you, Jesus. Father, I just pray that you would calm our minds and calm just any distractions. There's so much going on in this season. I just pray for the next few moments that you would speak clearly to hearts that are wandering, to hearts that are rejoicing, to hearts that are hurting, to hearts that are questioning, to hearts that are angry. To every single heart, the answer to our greatest and deepest need is you, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the free gift, and I pray that we would respond in the way in which you would have us. We're so thankful for who you are. In your name we pray. Amen. John chapter 1, if you don't have a copy of God's Word, we have Bibles in the back and nothing would do me greater joy than to give you a a Bible as a Christmas gift or an everyday gift or any gift to you. John chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. If you've been with us the last few weeks, we've been going John 1 through 18, verse by verse. Today, we're going to be at John chapter 1, verse 9 through 13. This is the word of the Lord as the apostle John wrote it as he was carried along by the Holy Spirit. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Amen. So in all of John 1, 1 through 18, the the text is answering, John is answering two age-old questions. Who is Jesus to us? And why did he come for us? And while John answers it, that's the question that lies before you and me today. Who is Jesus to you? And how you answer that question will alter and determine your eternity. John is establishing the divinity of Jesus, and he's declaring the mission of Jesus, that Jesus is God. He is the son of God who didn't give up any divinity, but took on humanity so that in order, so he could pay the price of our sins for all of eternity completely and offer us the hope of salvation and reconciliation. There is no way but back to the father except through Jesus. Jesus is the only pathway to a restored and reconciled relationship with God, the father. That is what this text is teaching us and making very clear to us. In verse nine, it says that the true light, that's Jesus. Like we look for a lot of different lights in darkness, which enlightens everyone. Praise God for that, right? Was coming into the world. Jesus came into the world. He became flesh. Now the world is a dark place, isn't it? We live in a fallen and a broken world. Do you just have to open the front door, turn on your social media, live about a minute, right? Wrestle with your own flesh. And you'll see the reality that death that depravity, that destruction, that pain, that sickness, that illness, that mental struggle, that addiction, that all of these things that plague our world, hostility, were not a part of God's original design when he created Adam and Eve in the garden in perfect relationship with him. But when sin came, it it disrupted the world. And there was a broken relationship between man and God. And man needed an intermediary because our sin requires... A perfect sacrifice. Anybody perfect in the room? No, nope, not me. So none of us can pay the price for our own sins. We can't earn it, we don't deserve it. Thus, God sent His Son, the true light, verse nine, which enlightens everyone coming into the world. Where are you looking for your light in the darkness tonight? A lot of us look to a lot of different things. We try to fill our life and search for the light and doing more, striving better, achieving. But the only hope for our salvation is Jesus. He became flesh for us. Christmas Day, what we're celebrating right now, is a D-Day of the gospel. It's the invasion of the hope of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Jesus is light. He's the, John is describing it again. He had already called Jesus light back up in verse 4 and 5. And now again in 9, he's saying he's the true light. You might see other lights, but Jesus is the true light. He's the only one that can save. But here's the reality that we're going to see tonight. The gift that Jesus is offering us requires a response And you're either going to receive him or you're going to reject him. And to reject the Lord as your savior leads to your own destruction here on earth and for eternity to receive him means that you can have hope here on earth and you can spend eternity in personal relationship in the presence of the Lord for all of eternity. Praise God. You can be delivered. The question is what's your decision this Christmas. And again, there's no, there's no in between. You're either choosing a or B rejection or receiving the two decisions that we have that we see right in this text are this. The first one, my Christmas decision, is to, f- to reject Christ and then be rejected for all of eternity. Look with me at verses 10 and 11. Jesus came into the world, right? He came, verse 9 teaches as he comes. Verse 10 says, he was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. The Jewish people rejected him. In fact, many Jewish people after he was born in the world would not just reject him, but they would yell, what? Crucify him. He came to offer life and they gave him death. Man, the world is a hard place, right? But praise God that God is not limited by our purposes as man, but God uses even our shortcomings to accomplish his purposes because it was through that very crucifixion that God was making a pathway back to unification with God the Father, because there was, Jesus had to die. And so God used the Jewish people's rejection of Jesus to actually accomplish the mission of God. Praise God. He's always at work. He will never be stopped. His work will never be thwarted. We can't reach heaven without Jesus, and we can't pay the price for our sins without Jesus. God accomplishes his his gift of reconciliation to us through Jesus. But man, how easy and how often it is to respond to Jesus's free gift of reconciliation with God with rejection. Look, this text teaches us this beautiful reality that, that Jesus created the world and he was living in the world. Yet the world rejected him. Even though the world was made by Jesus, we were made by Jesus, you were made by Jesus. Jesus made your eyes, but how often do you, not, do you choose to not see Jesus and not look to his glory or look to his purposes? Jesus made your ears and my ears, yet how often do we refuse to listen to his word? Jesus made our heads, but how often do we refuse to bow our heads to him in submission? Jesus made our hearts, yet how often do we refuse to trust and obey him? Jesus made our minds, but how often do we refuse to believe him? because we think that we're better than him. We think that there is some light, some gift out there that is, can do more for us, that we desire more. Shame on us, right? How, how short we fall. To understand the true significance of Christmas, we have to understand the true seriousness of Christmas. Jesus says here that the world did not, the text says in verse 10, that the world did not know him. The word know there is very key in verse 10. That world means personal relationship, as intimate as like a husband and wife relationship. You were saved through a personal decision to surrender your heart to Jesus as Lord and to believe that God raised him from the dead. You cannot be saved by what your family raised you up to be or how many times you've been in church. You are not saved by how much money you put in the offering plate, how many good works you do. You are saved through a personal relationship of knowing Jesus personally. There is an eternal chasm between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus. Many people know about Jesus, right? That the Bible teaches that even the demons acknowledge that Jesus was the son of God but they did not know him personally. They knew about Jesus, but they didn't know Jesus. Information doesn't save you. Theological information, spiritual information doesn't save you. Only transformation done by God, the Holy Spirit, done by God, the Son, Jesus Christ, done by God, the Father can save you. This word no is actually found in the exact same word is found in a text that Jesus speaks on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, describing this very thing about the severity and the reality of what happens when we reject the gift of God that Jesus is offering us. Jesus says this in Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, to them I never, what? Knew. You, same word as here in John. I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And by depart from me, he's casting them away to eternal separation from God for all of eternity. That is the severity of rejecting Jesus's free gift. And I love you too much to not say that Reality because it's real. You can't sugarcoat it. You can't downplay it. You can't deny it because God does not yield his holiness to anyone, but he sent his son to die in our place. Praise God. Amen. There are eternal consequences for rejecting Jesus. It's personal Salvation is by God's grace through faith. It's not by works. You can't earn your salvation. I did this in your name. I did this many church activities. I did this habitat for humanity. I volunteered at the food. None of that can save you. Now, out of our salvation, we are to work for Christ. But we don't work for Christ to earn our salvation. There's a huge difference there. Say by grace through faith the stakes are high. If you reject knowing Christ personally, Jesus will reject you for all of eternity. It's real and it's loving, but God made a way for you and I. The scary thing is you can be around church all your life and still miss Christ. Why do we often reject Jesus? Because we think we're good enough. We think we can earn it. We just don't really care about Jesus. I got questions and I haven't had the answers yet. Therefore, I don't need to surrender. I have doubts, my pride. I'm looking to other lights, my addictions, my, my hobbies, these things that I'm turning to for support, my job, my bank account. None of them can save I remember multiple Christmases growing up. My, my grandmother on my mother's side would always make her son, who my uncle, we would gather together for Christmas and make him a tin of oatmeal raisin cookies. And they were good cookies. And he would give them to her every Christmas, and and she thought he loved them. Until one day, I went to New Jersey, which is where he lived. He lived by the shore, and uh, we were hanging out for a weekend. And I opened up one of his cabinets above the microwave. You know what was up there? Every single tin he had ever been given of these oatmeal cookies, never eaten. (laughs) He took these gifts that he was given at Christmas, and he put it in a shelf, literally, and never touched them again. How many of us treat Jesus like that? We go to church, Jesus, and I act like I like Jesus, but I put them on a shelf when I get home. And he has no impact on my life. I'm rejecting the gift. How many of us at Christmas get a gift and you're like, oh, that's a nice sweater, but it's not my style. I'll return it. How many of us look at Jesus and go, you're not my style. I'm going to return it. Are you rejecting Jesus tonight? We smile and we nod and we take the gifts that we are given or what Jesus, but we, there's no heart change. So my question tonight is, have you rejected Jesus? Have you truly received him? What's your response? Are you resting in the gospel tonight? Because maybe you actually authentically did receive Jesus several years ago, a week ago, 10 years ago, a decade ago, but you need to return your heart to resting in the gospel truths. Stop trying and start resting in the grace of God. Maybe you need to reset your heart on the gospel priorities that Jesus should determine how you spend your money, how you use your time, how you set your calendar as you go into the new year. Maybe you need to choose to rejoice tonight. I don't have a lot to rejoice for. My life is falling down apart. Where's your focus? Lament is real. The presence of grief does not mean the absence of God. God is with us in our grief. Amen. We can grieve and we can praise at the same time. Read the book of Lamentations, chapter three, especially. It's important to do that. The book of Job teaches us that. So tonight, have you rejected the gift of God? He's giving you a gift right here. Are you choosing to reject it? Because if you reject this gift, God, Jesus will reject you for all of eternity. Matthew 7, his words. It's real. The gift is free. The consequences are significant. The other decision that we can make tonight is this, to receive Christ, the second decision to receive Christ and become forever family. Look at verse 12. It's like these, these people rejected God, verse 10, 11, but, I love the word but in the Bible, right? But to all who did receive him, the gift that is Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Salvation is possible for all of us. God's word teaches us in 1 Timothy 2 that God desires all men to be saved. Jesus was rejected by the Jews, but praise God, he offers salvation to all Jews and Gentiles because the majority of us in this room, if not all of us, are Gentiles. Praise God that he makes a way for all of us. How do we receive it? Well, the text teaches us what does it mean to receive him? It means to believe in his name. Receive means, to receive Jesus means to choose to fully rely on him in all parts of your life, not just some of them. To believe in the name of Jesus means that we trust that Jesus is the son of God, that Jesus is the lamb who would be slain for our sins, that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, that Jesus is our substitute, that Jesus is our peace, that Jesus is the Christ, which means Messiah. Praise God. Amen. Our decision to receive Christ is our declaration that our salvation can be found in no other name but Jesus Christ. Tonight, friends, who do you say that Jesus is? Jesus is offering life to you. Who do you say that he is? Is he your savior? Is he your Lord? Or is he something else? Believe is a key word in the gospel of John. It might be the key word. It appears nearly a hundred times throughout the entire gospel in one form or another, it means to entrust and to place your confidence in, to fully rely on, to put all of your weight in, to put all of your eggs in the Jesus basket. I'm not going to hedge my bets. I'm going all in, in my finances, in my marriage, in my parenting, in my life, in my job. I'm all in on Jesus and I want to live for Jesus. Is that you tonight? John was writing again to both a Jewish and a Gentile audience. And and as we fast forward to John 20, 31, where he gives us the reason for why he's writing, he he states the purpose statement for the entire book. And just to remind us again of the importance of belief, which he talks about here in verse 12, but here's the synopsis for the entire gospel of John. now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are written in this book, but these are written so that you may what? believe that Jesus is who? The Christ. Believe in the name of Jesus, the son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Say you with me. You. Now say me. Me. Because when he says you, you know who he's talking to? You. He's talking to you and me. That by believing you may have life, your life might feel like it's falling apart around you, but the gospel of John teaches us the reality that Jesus is offering you life abundantly, even when your world is falling. Because Jesus will hold you fast, amen? He will never let you go. That God is at work. He's upholding you. Friends, will you believe tonight? Will you place your confidence and trust in Jesus? And Jesus doesn't just want you to have a life eternal. He wants you to have life abundant here on earth. He wants to adopt you into his family. He wants his daddy, God, to adopt you as his brother or sister. When you respond to Jesus' gift of salvation by receiving him, you're being received by God as family. That's what verse 12 is teaching us, that as we believe, we receive. Believe, receive. We receive the right to become children of God. Praise God for that, amen? That God no longer sees you. When you choose to offer this gift which you are being given tonight, when you receive it, put your trust in it, God no longer sees you as distorted by your sin. He sees you as delivered by your sin, through your sin from Jesus. He no longer sees you alienated from Him, He sees you as adopted. He no longer sees you hostile. He sees you as holy because no longer do you show up to the dinner table of God in your rags of sin, but you show up clothed in the righteousness of Jesus with a rightful seat, with a name card on it, sitting at the table of God where mercy and grace are overflowing. Praise God. Amen. He's inviting you over for dinner tonight. He wants you to sit at the family table and never, ever leave. Praise God for that. Adoption is at the heart of the gospel. First, we have Joseph and Mary at Christmas. Joseph choosing to adopt Jesus as his earthly son. And here this is teaching us the reality, the theological reality, that when Jesus came, he entered into the world, as verse 9 said, God, his purpose was to create a pathway so that God could adopt us and give us rights as children of God. Praise God for that. This past summer, Ann and I had the privilege of of witnessing in a virtual court our family grow as Ann's sister and our brother in law adopted a beautiful girl into our family, their family. And we watched as the judge said, Here are the rights that the girl has, and here's the responsibilities of the parent. You need to take care of them, and clothe them, and provide for every single one of her needs. Are you willing? Yes, we are. And how much more so does God look at us, right? And go, I'm willing to cover every single one of your needs as you are grafted and adopted into my family. I will take care of you. I will watch over you. Praise God for that. So what does it mean to be children of God? What rights do we have as this text is teaching us? I think Paul helps us a little bit understand this, the rights that we have as children of God in Romans 8, verses 15 through 17a. He says, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery, to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoptions as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. You know what that means? Daddy. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our Spirit that we are children of God. Just like Anne and I got to witness the adoption of our niece, the Holy Spirit is bearing witness to our eternal adoption, and He doesn't just bear a witness, He secures it. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Isn't that amazing? That God is writing you into His will, that you have the heir of eternity. That, and look what happens with Jesus Jesus just isn't our Savior anymore, He's our big brother. Isn't that awesome? There's no better big brother than to be a co-heir with Jesus Christ. That's awesome. Our path to becoming family is not through anything we do, but it's through what Jesus has already done. And that's what verse 13 is teaching us. How do we become a member of God's family? How do we get this right? Well, here's what John is saying. He says three not don'ts and then one do. The first thing he says is, my right to become family with God does not come by blood lineage. When he says, who were born not of blood, it doesn't mean, what John is saying is, it doesn't matter what family you were raised in, whether you've gone to church all your life or whether this is your first day in church, everyone has the same equal opportunity to receive the gift of God. Praise God for that. Like you can't just get into heaven because your parents took you to church your entire life or your spouse takes you to church. It's a personal decision. The second thing that's happening here is this. He says, my right to become family with God doesn't come through my works, but through Jesus's work. Verse 13, nor of the will of flesh. I can't work harder. I can't just grind through it to get my salvation. Nor in the third way, my right to become family with God doesn't come through my just desire, but through Surrender. That verse 13 says, not only just the will of the flesh, nor the will of man. I can't just want it. I want to be a family member of God. I want it so bad. I'm going to manifest it into existence. It doesn't come through manifestation. It comes through justification and transformation that only the Holy Spirit does as Jesus pays the price for your sins. And as you surrender your heart to God, that's the only way that we can become family. Because how do we become family? What's the last three words of the text? Verse 13 right there. But of who? God. God's the one doing the work. It's not because of anything we have done, it's because of everything God has done. Praise God for that. And the beautiful reality is don't we don't just gain a vertical family when we give our lives to the Lord, but we gain a horizontal family, not just Jesus, right? But you know who else you gain as family? Look around the room right now. Like literally, look around. Like this is family, right? At Harvest, when we say your family, it's not just words, it's reality. That no one has to live life alone or walk through life alone. That we can lean on not just God, but each other. And we're not perfect. I'm not perfect. This is not a perfect church, but we are a pursuing church together. One mission, one family, one church. Getting after the glory of God, living on mission for God together. You saw that in the testimony video, that in the reality of everyday life circumstances, the gospel is sufficient for you. He changes everything. From drug addictions, to gang affiliations, to cancer diagnosis while pregnant, to death, to grief, to fear, anxiety, eating disorders, infant heart surgery, PTSD, self-image struggles, Jesus breaks through. Praise God. Amen? That's verse 9. He's the light, enlightening everyone. That he penetrates every situation into our darkness, and he meets us where we are, and he loves us, and he brings the life and the hope that we need. He is the mercy in our mess. He is the deliverance from our darkness. He is the grace in our grief. He is the peace in our problem. He is the salvation in our sin. Praise God for that. So how do we receive Christ? Well, it's easy as ABC 1, 2, 3, right? Here are the ABCs of receiving Christ. First, admit that I'm a sinner and need help. This is what it means when it says, to all who have received, verse 12, how do you receive? First, admit that I'm a sinner and I need help. It's humbling to admit that we're weak, right? And to ask for help. We need to do. It's the most freeing thing you can ever. do. I can't save myself. Second is to believe, believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He is our Savior, that He was crucified and He once and for all paid the price for your sins and mine. He was raised to life. To go all in on that. To put all my weight on Jesus as the only way. Not just another way. Not just another God on my shelf with my hobby, my bank account, my ho- my sports. My work, my student government, my PTAs, my resume. No, he is the thing. Romans 10.9 says that when we believe, when we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, then what? Then we will be saved. Praise God for that. We need to believe. Third thing is to confess. Confess Jesus is Lord. This is where most of us get tripped up. Jesus is Lord means he's the boss and I genuinely want to do it his way. That I'm going to die to myself and I'm going to find life through Jesus. I'm going to pursue obeying the word. Doesn't mean I know everything right off the bat. Here, newsflash, you won't. But it means that you want to pursue it. And again, we have a horizontal family that we are going to do it together. And we have a holy God, the Holy Spirit that will lead us into it. It's a pursuit of it. But it's a, it's a, none of us are perfect. It's not about perfection. There's only one perfect person and his name is Jesus, right? It's a pursuit, though. It's a desire. And when we fall short, praise God for his grace, but we're going to get up, confess our sins, and pursue again. It's a lifelong process. None of us have arrived. Friends, don't let what you don't know tonight about God stop you from believing in the one who you do know. Don't let your curiosity or debate about old earth, new earth, or end times, or any other cultural thing stop you from putting your faith tonight in Jesus Christ if you do know that you are a sinner in need of a savior, that Jesus is the son of God, that he died on the cross to pay for the price for your sins, and you want to follow him the rest of your life, trust him tonight and God, Holy Spirit will lead you into the rest of it, the rest of your days. Amen. None of us have figured all of that stuff out yet. And keep your eye on the main thing. Two choices tonight, receive or reject. What do you choose? I'm going to ask some friends, some guys of mine to come on up on the stage right now. I'm going to show you a little bit of illustration that we're going to work on. So guys, if you wouldn't mind coming up, this is what it's like. Because life is a journey, right? And in Christ, you have a new identity. Thanks, guys. Perfect. Awesome. So this is a what? A ladder. How many of you, us, are spending our lives right now doing this? We're trying to climb the ladder. We're trying to get garner success by effort. How's that working for you, right? I'm just going to work harder to get to where I want to be because then I'll be happy. Then I'll be hope filled. Then I'll have peace and then I'll have joy and then I'll have all the things that I want. Well, what happens when my job fires me? What happens when my knee blows out and my athletic career is in the tubes? What happens when the person that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with dumps me? What am I left standing with then? Well, if that doesn't work, well, I'm just going to climb the corporate ladder. I'm just going to work harder. I'm going to get, if I just made $100,000 a year, had 2.4 kids and a white picket fence life will be great, right? But what happens when the stock market tanks? What happens... In any scenario that you can think of, some of the richest people in the world are the most miserable people in the world because God teaches us and God's word teaches us in the book of Ecclesiastes that God has created a God-sized hole in our hearts, that our hearts yearn for eternity, right? That nothing can satisfy, no money, no CEO title, no sports championship can satisfy the yearning in our hearts, whether you realize it or not, for eternity. So you keep climbing because, well, if that doesn't work, I'm just going to get a little bit more well, the view up here is great, isn't it? But then you go, okay, I want to trust God. I know about God. Okay, I've gotten to the end of myself. I can't go much higher and I'm still miserable. And maybe that's you. But I look back and I go, I know God loves me. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to lean in. I'm going to believe. I'm going to put my full weight on God, right? I'm going to let go of what I am trying to climb to and achieve. And I'm going to go in. And then I get right before I let go. I'm like, hold on, wait a minute. Does God really love me that much? You know, I got a lot of baggage. Look, I'm not the smallest guy, but I'm not the biggest guy either. Like, can he really support me? Can he really handle me? Can he really, does he care? Can he catch me? Just like these guys, right? I love them and I know them and I know they love me, but do I really trust that they're going to catch me if I fall? Here's the thing too. Well, I know God loves me, but what about the position on new earth, old earth? What about, um, hmm, where God stands on abortion? Where, what about God, whatever, fill in the blank topic. Like, I don't know that, so I can't put my full trust in God yet. Well, here's the reality about these guys. I know them, right? I know they love me and I know they care for me. I think, I hope. <laughs> we'll find out in a second. <gasps> but here's the reality I don't know everything about them. I don't know where they all went to high school. I don't know all of their favorite foods. I know they all work out, so they're strong. I think some of them do anyway. So they can support me. But you know what? What I do know about them is enough for me to trust them to let go and put my full literal weight on them. And the rest I'll figure out over time because I want to grow in relationship with them, right? I want to learn more about them and I want them to learn more about me. Same thing and even on a grander scale with my relationship with the Lord. I can trust God what I do know and that I will grow in relationship with God. I'll get to know his heart and understand his ways and the Holy Spirit will lead me into his truth. But there comes a point where I have to stop talking about it and start doing it, right? And maybe you're at that point. I pray that tonight would be the night that you're willing to let go and actually take the step of faith to put your full weight on God, that his grace can support you, his mercy will carry you, his love is enough for you. And then you get to this point and you just lean back and you just let go like I'm about to do right now. (laughs) (laughs) oh thank you guys Uh, he actually caught him god will catch you every time won't he he will catch you every single time and he will uphold you and i know that you're worried and you're concerned about a lot of different things. i looked weird up there right maybe what will other people think about me if I let go of my full weight and rely on somebody else? My military career, it's all about doing stronger and being weakness is shunned. Man, being weak is the greatest strength you have. Relying on God and relying on others. So here's the, here's the deal. Here's a gift that's being offered to you right now. What do you say? Will you receive it or will you reject it? God will catch you when you fall. Some of the, the beauties of, of, of the benefits of becoming family is God's word teaches us that you don't have to worry about eternity, right? That, that God's already preparing a place for you for whenever this, your time on this earth ends, because this earth, honestly, is not our home, right? God has a big house and Jesus is preparing a room, John 14, and God's, God has a big, big house with many, many rooms. Some of you will get that. God also says that he's a perfect father and he loves to give good gifts. He's the best gift giver, isn't he? that he will give you and meet every single one of your needs along the way. He might not give you your wants. You might not get a PS5 under the tree tomorrow. By the way, you can still Amazon me one if you want. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but he will give you everything that you need. All the peace, all the hope, all the love, all the care, tonight, tomorrow, and, and forever. He will, give you the, he will give you a GPS. A God-positioning system known as God the Holy Spirit in your heart and life to lead you into all truth, to help you discern the decisions that you are to make. All of those things are beautiful gifts about being a part of the family of God. So friends, what say you tonight? Will you choose to receive God or reject him? Would you bow your heads with me right now? Amy's going to continue to play and I'm going to ask you to respond. I'm going to ask you to respond in one of the four ways because I think we all have a response to the gospel tonight, or maybe multiple ways. The first is this, will you choose? Maybe you've never done this before, and just be real. It's okay. Have the humility to go, maybe I've been in church all my life, but I've never really given my life to the Lord. Let that be tonight. Or maybe it's your first night here, and you're like, God, I I just need you. I've been searching and yearning and working, and nothing is satisfying. And God, I want you. I don't even fully understand, but I want you. Will you admit tonight that you're a sinner and say, "God, I, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He died on the cross for my sins, and I want to spend eternity with you, and God, I want to follow you, Jesus. I want you to be my, my Lord, and I, I want to figure that out. I don't fully comprehend that, but I want it, and I want to walk that journey. Would you, would you just pray with me right now? You can repeat my words or you can say your own words. And it's not about the prayer that saves you, it's about the posture. It's about the posture of a heart that produces the fruit of this prayer. God, I'm a sinner and I confess my sin and I want you to be my savior. I believe that you're my savior. I believe that Jesus, you died on the cross for my sins. And I want to admit that and declare that tonight. And I confess you as Lord. I'm done living for myself. I, I know it's going to be a struggle, but I want to do it your way. God, lead me and teach me. I want to follow you. Amen. And if you just prayed that prayer, welcome to the family. Don't delay. Welcome to the family. Tonight, maybe you need to rest in the gospel. It's a free gift, but maybe you've strayed from it because you got caught in the hustle and bustle of the season or doing good works or church work or your business or whatever it is, and you just need to pause and rest in the grace of God, in the satisfaction and the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. He's enough. Maybe you need to reset. Your life has gotten out of whack. You need to realign your life, recenter your life on Jesus as the center. No longer trying to build your kingdom, but get back to building God's kingdom. Maybe you need to choose to rejoice. You've been withholding worship because life is hard. Through the tears, worship. Through the praise, worship. Worship is a heart set and a mindset that acknowledges the reality of the gospel. Jesus has saved you and he's claimed victory for you. Every day is a day to worship because of that. Praise God. Amen. So Amy's going to continue to pray, play, and I'm going to close this in prayer in 30 seconds. But would you just respond personally to the Lord? Let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart and then just respond as, as he leads. Just you and God right now. For the gift. Thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the true light. Forgive us all so often for how we fall and short and look for other light. You are the only light that penetrates the darkness. You are the life that brings life out of death. You are the love that loves us unconditionally and unfailingly, God. And God, we love you. Forgive us for so often we're rejecting the gift that you give us at Christmas. And God, I just pray tonight that we receive you and we would trust you, that we would rest in you, that we would reset our lives around you we would rejoice because of the gift of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, we love you. In your name we pray, amen. Friends, would you pull out your candle that should be on your chair or a chair around you? And what we're gonna do right now is we're gonna reflect and we're going to rejoice because the light of the world, Jesus Christ, is here, amen? And he is the true light, and he enlightens all with John 1, verse 9 that we saw tonight. So this light from the Christ candle in the middle is enough to offer all of us hope in every situation. In a minute, it's going to fill this room. And when you look at that light, I pray that you would see the love of Jesus Christ. Whatever situation you're in, that you would know that the light brings hope in your darkness darkness cannot overcome this. And so I'm going to ask, uh, ask our usher, the two ushers to join me up front. Pastor Andrew and Ted, one of our elders here. And these gentlemen, these brothers are going to take their unlit candle and they're going to dip it into the light. This all emanates from the Christ candle. It's all about Jesus. It's all centered on Jesus. And they're going to go down each aisle. And if you're on the end of the aisle, would you dip your unlit candle into the lit candle and then just pass the flame down the road the same way Unlit candles into lit candles? And they're going to keep going back, and soon this whole entire room will be filled with the light, representing the light and the hope and the love of Jesus Christ. Amen? So let's go ahead and do that right now. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Go ahead. And we're going to commemorate that with song as well. Tonight is a holy night. It is a night that light penetrated the darkness. It is a night of our Savior's birth, that we remember our Savior's birth. Praise God for that. Would you stand with me now as we sing O Holy Night together?